0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Sela. We are in the home stretch of the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 7. Today we're gonna to be talking about verses 1 through 5. And believe it or not, we're gonna face some of Jesus's most difficult words in this last chapter. That's certainly true of today, as we're talking about everyone's favorite extracurricular activity: judging. Okay, judging. So let me pray for us, and I'll read our passage, and we'll spend some time uh, processing it. Father, I just invite you right now, for anyone who's listening to this, God, I invite you to open up our hearts and minds to what you have for us in these five short verses Pray that you convict us in the areas that we need to be convicted, that you encourage us in the ways that we need to be encouraged, and ultimately that you make us into the type of person that you call us to be, a person that reflects the heart and character of your son Jesus and lives for the purpose of building your kingdom here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. So Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Jesus says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will also be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the while there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will be able to see clearly to remove the speck. From your brother's eye. This portion of Scripture, and particularly verse 1, is one of the most quoted verses in America. It's right up there with John 3:16. The interesting thing about this passage is it is most often referenced by those who don't identify with the Christian community in order to push back on Christians who are being judgmental. It's often kind of thrown back as Christian uh, at, at Christians uh, who are perceived or are in fact being judgmental. I remember my freshman year of high school, there was a senior on my lacrosse team who was a pretty rough guy. He had a difficult home life. He had been suspended several times. He had been arrested. He was frequently getting into fights and practice and in school and unfortunately he dropped out of school before the end of the year. But I remember that he had this huge tattoo covering his chest and it said in big ornate letters, only God can judge me. Under that it said Matthew Six, one. Judge not, lest you be judged. Years ago, Barna Group surveyed thousands of non-Christian millennials and asked them to pick words that best describe the Christians they know. And you can probably guess what some of the top words were. The two top choices were judgmental and hypocritical. Almost 90% of respondents picked both of these words to describe the Christians they know. Whether fair or not, most people outside the church view Christians as having a certain set of moral views, imposing those moral views on people who don't share them, then condemning them for not sharing those views. All the while, they themselves don't actually live by their own moral code, judgmental and hypocritical for many Jesus followers uh, this creates a dilemma we genuinely do not want to be seen as judgmental we want to be known for our kindness for our compassion for loving our neighbors especially those who don't believe what we believe at the same time we want to live Uh, In faithful obedience to God, and we fear that if we say something or do something or post something about our faith, we may be perceived as judgmental, even if we ourselves are not. We might be guilty by association. So the question I think that we face is how do we engage our world in a way that is loving and non-judgmental while also living in accordance with the countercultural moral teachings of Jesus. This is what we've been swimming in for the past year and a half. The Sermon on the Mount presents to us a radical way of living that often collides with the culture around us. So how do we live this way without being perceived as just some more judgmental Christians. Well, Jesus makes it clear throughout the Sermon on the Mount that while tension is inevitable, love is non-negotiable. While tension is inevitable, love is non-negotiable. Yet, I think we can safely say, based on the findings of that Barna study, People outside the church feel a lot of tension and not a lot of love. So, how do we move forward? In light of the current cultural perceptions of the church, how do we engage our world in a loving and non judgmental way while continuing to pursue the teachings and moral vision that Jesus offers to us? Well, Jesus is going to answer this for us today. So let's take a a closer look at our passage. Verse one says, do not judge or you too will be judged. Verse two, for in the same way you judge others, you will also be judged with the measure you use. It will be measured to you. The word judge both in English and in Greek have a wide range of meanings. The dictionary definition is to form an opinion or a conclusion or simply to decide, right? To make a decision or a determination. You look at two or three or more things and you decide between those things. We use this word in a lot of different ways. For example, if you turn on the TV and you see a panel of people critiquing or giving a score to someone who has just sung a song or performed a talent. Think Simon Cowell or Blake Shelton. Like, what do we call these people? We call them judges. You then flip over to another channel. You see a person in a robe in in front of a courtroom handing down a punishment to someone who has been convicted of a crime. We call this person a judge. When someone is driving under the influence of alcohol or some other drug, we say it impairs their judgment. When, as kids, we used to get in trouble, our parents would say we used poor judgment, right? So with those examples in mind, is judgment bad? No, right? Judgment in and of itself is not a bad thing. Having good judgment is actually important and even necessary in many circumstances throughout life. We use our judgment every day in good and positive ways. So the first thing I want you to notice here is that Jesus doesn't say that judgment is bad. He doesn't say you should never utilize your judgment. Instead, when it comes to how we think about and how we relate to other people, he gives us a warning. If you judge other people, the way that you judge them will be the way that you are judged. If you judge people harshly and unfairly, you will be judged harshly and unfairly. If you don't give people the benefit of the doubt, but assume the worst, you won't be given the benefit of the doubt. I love how Eugene Peterson paraphrases this verse. He says, don't pick on people. Don't jump on their failures. Don't criticize their faults unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. You know, as the church in America continues to decline, I think our autopsy will show this right here to be the leading cause of our death, particularly among evangelicals. For so long, Christians have imposed their moral views on society at large, Just Google Jerry Falwell and the Moral Majority, and and you'll see a great example of this in the 80s. Unfortunately, our motivation has not been about seeking justice for the poor. It's not been about protecting the marginalized or speaking up for the voiceless. Instead, it has often been about imposing a moral code on people who don't share our beliefs and convictions, and it has often been done with the posture of judgmentalism and moral superiority. Now today, even when Christians aren't being judgmental, we are often perceived in that way. The criticism, as Eugene Peterson translates this verse, has boomeranged. We are receiving the harsh judgment that we have doled out. Jesus builds on this and and what he says next uncovers the deeper problem that underlies a judgmental and critical spirit. He says, how do you or why do you look at that speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the while there's a plank in your own eye, you hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you will be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Jesus paints this ridiculous, this ridiculous picture to draw our attention to a serious heart issue. He says that when we judge, it is like we are walking around with a two by four sticking out of our eye we are completely oblivious to the two by four instead we are focused on that piece of dust that little speck in our neighbor's eye and there's a couple problems with 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 this image when i condemn someone without paying any attention to the plank in my own eye my own shortcomings my own faults number one i look ridiculous And no one, particularly not the person who I'm supposedly trying to help, will take me seriously. Secondly, when I don't first deal with the plank, my ability to see is impaired. I can't see. And I end up doing more damage to my neighbor rather than helping them. Because I got the plank sticking out of my own eye. And notice that Jesus doesn't say, well, just forget about the speck. Pay no attention to the neighbor's speck. He says, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. In other words, if you want to truly help your brother or sister uh, with whatever it is they're dealing with, then start dealing with your stuff first. When we have a lot to say about other people but are completely oblivious or unwilling to see our own problems that will inevitably lead to disaster so some of us might be reading this passage and think well you know i don't have any problems and even if i did have problems they're certainly not plank problems right i'm certainly not as Crazy as those liberals, or as backwards as those conservatives, or I'm not as legalistic as as those Baptists or whatever uh, that group is. You might judge. Okay, surely your issues are not as big as theirs. So we feel justified, like we can cast judgment on them because they are just so much worse than us, and and you know they deserve it, don't they? Like, if anything, they deserve to be called out for their mistakes, for their missteps, for their uh, flawed and dangerous perceptions. It's so much worse. They're the ones with the plank. I might have some specs, but their plank needs to be dealt with because it's dangerous, right? But check out how Dallas Willard talks about the plank. He says that condemnation itself is the plank in our eye. Jesus knows that the mere fact that we are condemning someone— shows that our heart does not have the kingdom rightness that Jesus has been talking about. Dallas Wood continues on. He says condemnation, especially with its typical accompaniments of anger, contempt, self-righteousness. We've all felt those things, right? They blind us to the reality of the other person. We cannot see clearly on how to assist the other because we cannot see them. And we will never know how to truly help until we have grown into the kind of person who does not condemn. The critical spirit, the judgmental posture that we take towards others, the condemnation itself is the plank so what jesus is talking about here it's it's not simply using our judgment it's not simply observing someone's actions or words or or viewpoints and assessing whether or not they are wise or moral or beneficial to themselves or those around them Jesus is talking about something more. He's talking about what someone does or uh, he's talking about taking what someone does or says and then making all these assumptions and claims about their character, about their personhood, about their worth and value and doing this without any amount of self-reflection, without any sense of humility, without acknowledging that. I may have bigger problems that I don't even see. Jesus is talking about when we elevate ourselves over our neighbor, degrading and dehumanizing them as less than. And this is something that he himself didn't even do. Even though he was God, we do this all the time. When we do, we are playing God. But here's just a few examples of ways that I think we commonly judge people. Okay, when I observe someone's actions or hear their words, and then I make assumptions about their motives. Oh, they're so selfish. They only think about themselves, or or they're just doing that for attention. They're so immature. When someone cuts me off on the road. I, I don't first think, oh, they must have not seen me or they must have just made a mistake. Instead, I think that person is such a fill in the blank. Right. And then a few miles later, I cut someone off and they lay on the horn and whatever else. And I think, hey, you know, chill out. It was just a mistake. Right. We give ourselves the benefit of the doubt uh, that we do not afford to others. When someone says something or posts something about some hot button cultural topic and I immediately assume, oh, they must think this too. And we do this all the time with politics. We learn one thing about a person and then we download all these other views and beliefs onto them and make all these judgments about them. We just completely write them off as one thing or another. We judge them based off one thing they said. When I see someone or or do something and, and I say, oh, I would never do that without knowing their circumstance, without knowing their motives, without giving any thought to the many things I've done that I regret and never thought I would do, I would never speak to my kids in that way. I would never lose my temper like that. I would never be so rude. I would never use that word. I would never be so selfish. What are you doing there? You're not just making a moral assessment about someone's action or, or words. You are going a step further and judging their heart and their character. You are elevating yourself as morally superior. I would never be like that. I mean, We do this all the time. Or, or we, we judge all the time on social media, right? Social media is like jet fuel for judgmentalism. You have to have superhuman powers to be on social media and not judge people based on their posts or comments. Okay, this, is, this is just something that is deeply embedded in our culture, the way we engage with one another. So why do we do this? Why do we judge people? Well, Dr. Adam Moore is a psychologist and researcher at Edinburgh University. He's an expert in judgmental behavior. He says, we judge others because we enjoy that feeling of moral superiority, feeling like we're a good person or the one in the right. It gives our image a boost or self-image a boost, it gives reassurance. It makes us feel connected with others who agree with us and it provides an emotional and psychological high. He says that because of this judgmental behavior um, or because of this emotional and psychological high, judgmental behavior is addictive and it escalates. It eventually leads to increased anger towards other people, relational tension and division, anxiety, loneliness, shame, depression. Judgment traps us in a destructive cycle where you try to make yourself feel better by judging and condemning others, but it ultimately makes you feel worse about yourself and about your circumstance which in turn makes you more judgmental and more critical seeking more and more of that emotional and psychological high and that's just what judgment does to the one who's doing the judging we could go on and on about the damage that it does to others the broken trust the devastated relationships it pushes people away from community away from family away from god It reinforces their own insecurities and shame. Judgment is deeply destructive to all who are involved. So how should we engage with each other in Jesus's kingdom? Particularly when it comes to our own faults, our our flawed perceptions, our poor decisions, our mistakes. Because Jesus doesn't tell us to turn a blind eye to harmful and destructive behavior, especially when it comes to people who, are, who you are on this faith journey with, people in your faith community, people who have chosen to do life with you. Jesus wants us to be a part of each other's growth and maturity, and that includes confronting the things in one another that don't align with his desires for our lives and community. So how do we do this without condemnation? Or judgmentalism well I just have three three thoughts for us in regards to this number one we do this from a place of humility and constant self-reflection what is the plank in my eye where is my blind spot what am I trying to cover up or numb myself to by judging that person a place of humility and constant self-reflection. Number 2, we do this with a desire to unite and restore and reconcile, not divide and tear down. So anytime you're speaking about someone in order to feel better about yourself, which we all have done, you are tearing that person down in order to, in order to elevate yourself as morally or intellectually superior it is destructive it is dehumanizing we should engage with one another in order to build each other up not tear each other down so when we're speaking about someone in order to make ourselves feel better about ourselves uh, we are we are judging them instead we should approach people with a desire to unite restore and reconcile that's number two and number three We do this in a relationship of mutual commitment and trust. We should approach people within the faith community different than those on the outside. If we are united in Jesus and we have agreed to do life together, we want what's best for one another and for the community. So we have the respect and the trust to confront the issues in one another. And be a part of each other's growth and maturity. So we do this in a relationship of mutual commitment and trust. Approaching people in this way is what we could call correction rather than condemnation. Correction is something that Jesus calls us to do as brothers and sisters on this journey together. But it requires these three things from a place of humility and self-reflection, a desire to unite, restore, and reconcile, and in a relationship of mutual commitment and trust. This is correction. Correction builds up. Condemnation tears down. Correction sees the person and assesses whether the action matches up with what you know to be true about the person. Condemnation sees the action and defines the person based on the action. Correction comes from a place of humility. Condemnation comes from a place of pride. Correction is really hard and it takes work. Condemnation is easy and we do it all the time. But it's terribly destructive. So I want you to just take a moment, if you can, close your eyes And I want you to ask Jesus to reveal this to you. Who and when do I condemn? Who and when do I condemn? is, Is it a certain group of people? A political camp? Is it a neighbor you can't stand? Is it someone in your home? Someone in your faith community who you've judged rather than tried to understand. Now, I know we don't want to admit it, but this happens all the time. It happens in our church, it happens in our friend group, it happens in our family. Who do I judge? Who do I condemn? The second thing I want you to ask Jesus, and and just take a moment to, to reflect on this, I want you to ask Jesus how he wants you to move towards that person or those people in a humble and restorative way. How can I grow in my understanding of this person whom I've judged? How can I love them? How does my condemnation of them reveal shortcomings and faults in me? Where's my plank? Maybe the best way to move forward is to deal with the issues in you rather than focusing on their issues. What am I trying to hide? Or compensate for in judging them what insecurity what shame what undealt with hurt or trauma is causing me to judge this person if necessary how can I humbly offer correction to that person because maybe what I'm seeing does need to be addressed but it needs to be addressed in the right way Not to criticize or degrade, but to build up and to restore. So ask yourself, how can I move towards that person in love and humility? Father, I just pray um, for everyone who took the time uh, to listen to this. That you would give us hearts of love and hearts of kindness and patience towards those around us, especially those who are different from us, those who we have a hard time understanding. I pray that you would remove... Any spirit of condemnation or judgment from us that we as a faith community as brothers and sisters in Jesus would be able to approach one another in loving and compassionate ways seeking to understand rather than to to judge or condemn and that we would be able to offer correction as necessary so that we can continue to grow and mature in the image of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.